Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius again. We are in, we are going through the letter of Apostle Paul in the first first Timothy, and we are now in chapter two, and I'm going to continue this. And I pray the Lord will give you insight as you listen, and get your Bible and read along. Verse six, verse five and six. Let's start from verse five. Second first Timothy chapter two, verse five. For there is one God, and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Now, the Bible, he used the word mediator. The Bible said, the Lord Jesus Christ is our high priest. And you can go again to the first letter of Apostle John, where he used this different terminology and said, if any man, if any man, see, this is written to the believers now. This is to the believers. See, if any man, see, we believers, we are not expected to sin. But if any man, see, see, we have an advocate with the Father. So you use the word advocate with the Father. The Lord Jesus Christ is our advocate. And he's our high priest. In another verse, in another place, we're called high priest. Presenting our case before our Father God. See, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us. That he may be, that he may redeem us from all ungodliness and purify unto him. So that is first John chapter one. Let me read it to you. Verse. Let me just read straight through. This is 1 John chapter 1. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is verse 9. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. And in other place said, we have an advocate with the Father, this, this, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's continue from 1 Timothy chapter 2 that we are reading. Verse 7 says, We are unto, Apostle Paul says, We are unto, I am ordained a preacher and an apostle, and I speak the truth in Christ and line up, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will therefore, this is Apostle Paul continuing to exhort what he wants uh, Apostle, what he wants Timothy to keep emphasizing as he teaches and as he's pastoring. He says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. That when you are praying, don't doubt. And without wrath, no, no, no anger and rage, just praying in love, with gladness to the Lord. Verse 9 says, in like manner, he's going to exhort women also. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, modesty. Remember that word, modesty. With shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Now that part of it as is summarizing the addressing of the dress that women should be adorned themselves with. In some churches, they try to put strict rules that this you shouldn't wear it, you shouldn't wear that. But Apostle Paul just make it clear that this modesty is very important. What is modesty? What are you trying to, whom are you trying to please? Some people will dress because they want to call attention to themselves. If you are married, dress only to please your husband and if you walk in the street and every other eye of other men in the street are, are, are looking at you and wanting you 
then you are not dressing just for your husband. You are dressing to attract uh, opposite sex, which can be a sin. Not just can be a sin, which can be a, a source of adultery. Because Jesus Christ said, he that looketh unto at a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, if the woman that is causing that is because of her dress or modest, or modest dress is causing that, that other eyes are looking at her, wanting, lusting after then they are committing adultery with that woman. So that's why Apostle Paul is saying women should be in modesty because that does not attract attention or attract eyes. And then he went for that, said that that is how women that are professing godliness with good works should dress. Verse 11. Now, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Now, many people in that verse 11 and 12, many, especially in American churches, they have wrestled with this. Some of them have promoted, uh, post all of these things and say, Apostle Paul was this, Apostle Paul was that. But he just lived that according to as the Lord has put it in his heart. See? And it is wise for somebody to, a woman, to submit themselves to these precepts of God. And it is wise for a woman to submit herself to this precepts of God. Some people say, well, a woman can be, can, you say they can teach, because the same apostle said, let women, let elder women teach younger women. So it's not that they cannot teach, but it's showing whom they should be teaching. Younger women, they are going to teach their children, of course, but he's saying they shouldn't use authority over the man. Because for that purpose, you, you go back to Genesis, you can see the cause of the fall. That's really where it's coming from, the spiritual things that is coming from. The cause of the fall was when the man began to listen to do what his wife wants. That's what happened. Adam listened. He said, because thou was akin to your wife. That is the source of the fall of mankind. See? And because of that, it has been the word of God that God has said, Women should learn in silence, learn from their husband at home, and not the vice versa. And when people are opposing that, they are actually in rebellion against the plan of God, against the will of God. You see, well, is it because we say it's because of the fall? But see, before the fall, Adam listened to his wife. That's what caused the fall. And it's not because the fall that they listened to his wife, or it was that that was the the cause of the fall, he listened to his wife and did what his wife wanted. Because the Bible says she gave to her husband also with her. So that is why Apostle Paul is laying this one down. I swear not a woman to teach, not to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. So he's referring back to Genesis. You see? Verse 15 says, Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with celebrity. That is, both male and female will be saved, just like the Bible said, male and female created them in the, in the Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. When God made mankind, he said, male and female created them, which was prophesying of the sons of God at the end time, both male and female shall be saved. They shall fall into that category of sons of God also. But in the order, in the household of faith, in the household of God, and in the each individual household, God put order in the family, in the in the in the in the believer, in the in the household of in the household of God, and that order, when it is obeyed, there will be peace and tranquility. 
But when people begin to rebel against it, there is some confusion in And that was chapter 2. Now let's go on to chapter 3 of First Timothy. This is a true saying. If a man decide the office of a bishop, he decide a good work. Now Apostle Paul was going to put down some qualifications for who should be appointed to be a bishop. A bishop is simply like a pastor. The word bishop is, is used in this our generation to mean like a, 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 a an hierarchy of churches where the bishop is an overseer of so many other pastors, something like that. But the word bishop simply means a shepherd. And so Apostle Paul is talking about the shepherd that will be on, on a, local, a local church. That's what he's saying. Since, since they are going to appoint them, and the Timothy is going to be the one to, to appoint some of the elders to be the bishop who will be in charge of this congregation. Apostle Paul was giving down what should be the qualifications to look for. And here he goes. He said, it's a good thing. It's a desire. It's a, anyone decides to be to to take the office of a bishop is designed a good work, like a job. But to say, a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, aptitude to teach. Now the husband of one wife is because that was. The standard God was laying down in that generation and up to now, many people were raised with polygamous lifestyle. In that generation, you know, you can look at the Old Testament, King David had 10, 10, 12, many wives, and many of them were having wives and wives and wives. Up to the time of our Lord Jesus Christ, many of them still have many wives. The Gentiles in their generation were used to polygamous also. But there were people that only have one wife because it's just a matter of how many are they able to manage. So Apostle Paul is saying, when the people begin to come to Christ, he's saying, the Bible said, God made them male, one male, one female. Christ actually referred to it. When God made Adam, he said, when God made man, male, male and female. And he made only one for Adam. And so for that reason, it's one woman and one man is the ideal. Now, so what God, what Apostle Paul would now say is that in the body of Christ, in the church that he started, that they started to be formed, that they be a, a, an example, a leader that should be an example of what the what the Lord requires is that it should be only a husband of one wife, is one that should be appointed to be the leading to be the bishop. I know somebody told me that well, I don't want to be a bishop, so they went, they said they can go and marry several wives because they don't want to, they are not going to be a, an elder. Now, if you are if you are going through that mentality, you're actually violating the, the precepts of God that says it's actually one, one, one man, one wife. The reason why God was putting this one here was because those people were already in that lifestyle before they were believers. And God didn't compare them like some other churches are doing in Nigeria. Some other churches are saying if you are already in a polygamous family, they want them to throw away the other wives and just keep the first one. Now God didn't say that that's not the law that God put down for the for the Gentile church. But he actually said when they wanted to appoint elders or pastors or bishop, they should only choose somebody that is an husband of one wife. That's the standard that they want to use. However, if the people that are not that are unbelievers and they already have so many wives and they all now come to Christ, they should stay the way they are. 
But if one, if one of them does not want to follow Christ, Apostle Paul have another story for those ones. He said, if you if you if you have a, a spouse that is not a believer and does not want to continue following, living with you, let the young believer live. But you want to kick him or her out. You want to pack and leave because you believe she she doesn't believe or he doesn't believe. He said, if he wants to keep following you, you have to keep living with you. You have to not not do not separate from the from the spouse. So that is the you can read that in the first Corinthians chapter seven. So because we have had questions where people come up for and say, well, they already have three wives because they were formerly Muslims. Now they give their life to Christ and they and they brought all their wives into the church and they are also giving their life to Christ. What should they do? Should they throw all the other women out of their house because the man said no, you don't throw them out. You are all sinners before God forgive all of you. You are all to just follow the law right now. He said, What you you demand still be sleeping with these three wives? He has to keep giving them, according to the Bible, he has to keep giving them the due benevolence. If there is one of them as an unbeliever that decide not to follow your religion, let the unbeliever depart. That's what Apostle Paul said. You are not guilty of that. See? But it is not compelled that you should kick them out because we have several kids where they already have children and they are going. The churches are saying you should throw away this woman that is the second wife, the third wife, just because. You have given your life to Christ and you only have to keep the first one. No, that's not the that's not what God is telling us. See, everybody that is, is a apostle said, you rather that they all stay the way they were called. They were to stay the way they were called. Are you called with wife? Stay without wife. If you are called without without a big marriage, say it's better to be your marriage. But if you want to marry, that's nothing wrong with that. That's part of the life of humanity to marry and raise children for God. So Apostle Paul more or less put all of these things down for us to see that you have to compare scriptures with scriptures when it comes to this point about your husband of one wife. That's what the Bible said for the elder, for the leaders. Now it will be it will be wrong as far as my judgment for somebody that's a believer after he has been born again and is saved when he was not married. He's saying he's born again now to say he wants to go and marry two or three or four wives, claiming that he doesn't want to be an elder, he just wants to marry four or three or two or three wives. Then he's violating the word that is the principle that God said, and it's a one man, one wife. Like God said, Jesus Christ said, Don't you hear that it is when God made a, made a male and female, not male and females, not male, not one, not, 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 uh, not also the, the same sex marriage they are doing in this generation. That the devil is putting upon the woman over this. That is abomination. That's abomination. That's a different story. That's a, a different uh, summer. But Apostle Paul is more or less laying down. A bishop must be blameless, husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, giving to hospitality, aptitude to teach, not giving to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre. What is filthy lucre? Trying to get money by bribery. That would be a filthy lucre. Not not guilty of it, but patient, not a brawler, not trying to start a fight, always complaining. So not covetous, one that ruling well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. And it tells the reason, because that means if a, if a, a leader is not able to control his own children, and they can point to some rudy, rowdy children that he has, uncontrolled children that he has, that she, the children can disqualify the, the father. 
the children, even his wife, can disqualify the man from being a, a good leader or a, or a good uh, a, for qualification for this type of position. That's what Apostle Paul is saying. They have to not only look at the man, they have to look at his family. That's why he said, For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? If you can't rule your children and they are, they are not under your control, you tell them to do something, they will not do it, and you don't discipline them and they grow up like that, then you are not able to rule your house. How can you rule the household of God? That's what Apostle Paul is saying. That's why he said, they don't, it must be the one that will rule away his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. Now, verse 6 is another important part. He said, Not a novice. What's a novice? A newcomer, somebody that just joined the church. Don't make them to be the ruler just because he's well positioned person in the society. Maybe he happens to be the mayor, or he happens to be a medical doctor by position, or he's a great man, he has a lot of money, and he now comes to your church and become part of the believers. Don't suddenly make him to be in charge of everybody. He said, that's a novice. He doesn't know the, the principles of Christ. He has to be taught. So that's why he said, not a novice. Why? He gave us, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Because by, if you make a novice, someone that just joined your group, you make him to be in charge because of his, his, a, his a professional position in the world. Then he said, you'll be proud. Very soon, pride will be And the devil was, an example of a proud spirit that was casted out of the room. But pride comes upon me when they say, I am made to be in charge because of my of my degree, I have PhD. That's why I'm in charge. Well, he's still a baby if he comes to Christ just now. Because if your PhD in engineering, your PhD in this field does not qualify you to, to be higher than the believers when it comes to Christ and the word of the living God, the Bible. That's what he's saying. That don't, don't just bring them in just because of their status in the in the world and make them to be in charge just because they have a position in the world. But they are still a novice if they are just a newcomer in Christ. Verse seven. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without. That's another good point. That is anyone that is going to make to be a leader, or a pastor, like that, a bishop, must have a good report. Of them that are without, as people that are not even in the, in the body of Christ, people that are not Christians, they must have a good report from them that, oh, not if they know of bad things that the man is doing that you guys in the church don't know, you better listen to them. Why? He said, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil, the snare of the devil. Because when if you make him to be a ruler, a leader in a fellowship, the unbelievers outside say, ha, that man. That rapist or that man, that embezzler that is stealing government money, is now the leader of their church. That give a bad name to your group. That give a bad name to your to your fellowship, because what they think of the man outside is what they are thinking. The all of you are. If they think the man is an embezzler, is taking contract of government and pocketing the money and never do anything, and they already know him to be that, and now he you make him to be, or he's part of your church. They think all of you are like that, and that's drawing, dragging the name of the Lord Jesus Christ into the mud. So that's why Apostle Paul is saying that man, that anyone you want to choose, must have a good report of them which are without. As an example of that case, we had somebody, a minister, was saying that some people that claim to be ministers will go and get a, a car 
from a car dealer on loan, which they would pay monthly. But when they couldn't pay, instead of returning the car, the 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 the, the one the, the the dealer that that loaned the car have to be looking for them, and that dealer begin to swear I've never I've never give my car to pastors or this because they don't pay. I mean, when people become on on, on a, without integrity, they are not paying their debt. The world that they are the, the people in the world know it. I say this man is a debtor. I never pay. You can't be. You can't trust him. Is is no good. It's not, it's not a credit worthy person. Why in the world will a believer be on credit worthy? That is not even fearing God because you are not to owe any man at all. And if you owe, you pay a debt. That is integrity. So, but that's why you say he must have a good report of them that are without, because that will not be a good report if he say that pastor you hold this man three months of a payment and he has not paid it, and the man has to seize the car. And 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 he think he just walked away. All of those things mean that you are not trustworthy. The believer should be the most trustworthy person. Why? Because we fear God and we are working with God. And if you trust God and you are working with God, God will always take care of you to make sure that you don't fall into a, into trouble with financial situation like that. But if you have your heart ready to say, "I must pay my debt. I must pay on time," that is what God also expects of us. That you pay your debt and you pay on time. If you are paying monthly something like rent, you're paying your rent. If there's no money, I mean, you run out of, you have a serious situation. You are praying to God, help me, I couldn't get money to pay my rent. Then you at least approach the landlord, appealing to the landlord. That means you have a conscience because the landlord is depending on the money you are going to pay him too. Also, that is conscience. But if you, if you instead of approaching the landlord, if you, a landlord have to be running and looking for you, hiding from the landlord because you couldn't pay, and you are holding two months in debt, and you dare the man to come and evict you. What kind of a Christianity will you call that? So that is that will, that will give a bad report. That's why he's saying this person that's going to be a leader must have a good report from them that are without, them that are doing business with him, them that are just trading in the world with him. If they have any bad report about him. Know that it's a, it's a bad, it's not to be classified as a, a true believer that should be made a, a leader. He needs to still learn how to follow Christ and follow the precepts of God. So that is one of the qualifications. So your attitude, your business lifestyle can disqualify you from even the godly position or Christian or leadership position. Just like your sharing lifestyle can disqualify you from any leadership position in the body of Christ. Your wife's behavior can also disqualify you from leadership position in the body of Christ, in, from even before God. So that's why I say you must have your children under objection. You yourself must have a good report from them that are doing business, dealing with you outside the church, so that you don't fall into a reproach. A reproach means they will begin to talk bad of you outside, and that becomes a reflection of, uh, of people in that group. Verse 8. Likewise, must the deacons now he's talking about deacons. What who are deacons? These are mostly helpers, maybe church workers, they are called deacons. Maybe they are just the peer, the people that are in the church office. They are actually classified as deacons. They are helping men mail letters out, they are helping organize uh, fellowship. These are what the deacons normally do. Maybe they don't really preach, but they are helping the but see, they are managing the church activities. Those are deacons, you see. People that are like that may also have. Uh, influence on the funding 
or where the church gather their money also, or they are the one that collect the money and then put it in the bank. It's not the pastor that has to be run to the bank every time. Maybe the deacons help them out. That's what the work of deacons. So then they better be trustworthy, or you are going to put your your meat to be watched by the cat, like people say. See, like people say, it's going to be if it's a thief, it's going to steal your money. So that's one of the reasons why he's going to give qualification for deacons also here. Verse 8 says, Likewise, must the deacons be grave, that means they must be sober minded people, not double tongued, that is not liars, telling A and then telling B on the other side, not giving to much wine, not greedy or free to look at, that is, they are also not embezzling money and bribery and corruption, if they are not greedy of, greedy, greedy of that, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And in the pure conscience, the way they are holding the gospel. Verse 10 says, and let this also first be proved. I mean, prove them. Before you say he's going to be in charge of counting your money that the offering that comes to the church, and this discount is going to be the one counting the money. You better prove him first that he's not going to pocket some of those things for himself. That's one of the reasons why I say, let this also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. Because whatever money is coming is lost money. So even though we say it's lost money, does not mean that anybody can just steal it. Because that's we are still in charge of it. So that's why anyone are going to be putting as a deacon in charge of the money of the church. Prove him, make sure that he's truly safe, born again, fearing God, and he will not touch the lost money. That will become an offense, not only offense to him, offense to even the people that are around him. Verse 11. Even so, must their wives be grieved. Now he's talking about the wives or even the deacons. You see, the, the behavior of, of your wife can disqualify you from, from positions of authority. Not only in the world, even in the body of Christ. That's what he's saying. He said, their wives must be grieved, not slanderous. Who are slanderous? Speaking evil of other people is slandering. Whether it is true or false, it's better to keep your mouth shut instead of. Telling you go to the next person, this man did this, this man is evil, that man is evil, that boy is evil, that woman is evil, that woman. All of those are slandering. You see, but it is true, this woman, but who told you to go and be broadcasting it? Because the person that does not know, you are actually poisoning their mind. You are poisoning their heart against this fellow and this fellow that you are telling about. That's slanderous. How much more if it's what you are saying is actually what you call conspiracy theory? Conspiracy means for people just make up the story to make this fellow look bad, and you are broadcasting it also. That's slanderous. You have to be careful in the body of Christ, especially in this political world. And say not, he says it's not slanderous, but it's going to be sober. Why is listing this among women, among wives? He said because that's this characteristic of more, most women talk more among one another than most men do. Men and men don't really talk much in the detail of talking of things that are going on in the world. They may talk of politics. But when they begin to talk about other people, it's more of gossiping. And that is characteristic of more women. That's why he was saying their wives must be not slanderous. They must be sober, faithful in all things. Now, verse 2 of us talked about the deacon also should be a husband of one wife. Let the deacons be the husband of one wife. The same thing, whether the bishop of the king is saying that is the standard that God wants now, that God is putting in church, is one man, one wife. And that's why, even though in their generation there are many people that came to Christ, they already have so many wives, they just have not, they are not to be selected to be the elder or to be the 
officer or, or deacon because of that uh, qualification is what Apostle Paul is saying. It doesn't say they should not live in the fellowship. It didn't say they should not be believers. They can keep their wives and all the while their wives coming, but they should not elect them to be rulers because that could be an example. People don't want the Apostle Paul didn't want people to have that example as the example of a Christian. You want the example that every other people may emulate. Verse 13. Verse 12 says, Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. That's very important. We have to rule our children and our houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well, of a deacon well, could chase to themselves a good degree.